0: what would it be?
1: More often than not, my response is nothing. And that's a hard thing to do because then thoughts come in like, oh, you're being weak. You're not standing up for yourself. You're not doing this. You're not doing that. But the more energy that I personally give it, the more I will get consumed by it.
0: You are in for a treat today, if you've seen the energetic dance-off sensation online, that is Cat John, you'll know that we are in for one hell of a ride. Cat <laughs> loves sharing personal and relatable stories, speaking real and raw truths, and holding people accountable for being the answer to their own life. This woman speaks my language. Kat spreads her wisdom through her work as an authenticity coach, speaker, and soon-to-be author, where she inspires people to come back to their real and authentic selves and channel their fucks towards what really matters to them. Through her group coaching programs, global zero fucks movement, meditation platform, podcast, keynote speaking, and events. Kat's work is changing thousands of people's lives by helping people be real and free to be themselves. This is gonna be fun. So strap yourself in, people. Cat John, I am so excited to have you here on the podcast.
1: Welcome. Thank you so much. I'm stoked to be here too.
0: I'm super stoked to chat to you because there's so many things that you do and the way you live your life just resonates so much with me. So let's kick in. If there is one thing that you wish society would talk more about, Kat, what would it be?
1: First, I got to say that what a question that you ask. I've done a lot of podcast interviews. This is like one of the most excited ones I've ever been on. So kudos to you. Kudos to you. darling. Oh, that's
0: so nice. That's lovely.
1: I pondered this and I was like, you know what? I'm not going to ponder it anymore because I'm going to let the answer come through. And it's this, the impact of not being our real self and what that has on our self, the people around us and even the world, right? So I really believe that more of us could be speaking about shit. If I'm not my real self, what impact does that have on my family, on my children, on my life, on my choices, on where I work? how I work, the pace and rhythm I live my life. And if I was my real self, then how could that more positively impact my children, the way I live my life, the choices I make, where I work and where I don't work, what values I uphold and what boundaries I put in place. And I truly believe that it's such an important conversation.
0: No, It's so beautiful. And the way you have framed that as well, Kat, I think you run this whole movement. And if people aren't aware about what you do, it has a, an organization called Zero Fucks Movement, which I just love. It's how you came across, you know, when I first found you, I think a friend of mine had known you and I just kind of started watching your videos on Insta and stuff and just your absolute love of life, the way you live your life so fully and so authentically just really resonated with me immediately. And then I started to learn more about your journey and the things that you'd gone through. So I'd love you to share that with people and sort of how you got here. Why is this such an important topic for you?
1: Yeah, well, you know what? The journey has been yuck. It's been really yuck. But each experience has brought about my real authentic self, right? I truly believe that we're here on this earth and we do work and we have a job and we have a purpose. But I believe that there is a, an even deeper core purpose. Prior to us being in human form, I believe that we all had this intention to come in here and how we wanted to experience this life. And I truly believe at the core of my purpose, I have come here to simply be me and to express myself as that. And so as a journey, I have experienced the absolute opposite of that, the absolute opposite of being myself. and. You know, it's interesting when I was a little girl, I was loud and free and happy and I danced and all of those wonderful things. Like my laugh was loud, like it is to this day, cheeky spirited girl, but also deeply sensitive, deeply, deeply sensitive. At the age of six years old, I was sexually abused. And anyone who has had that experience will know just how much it really robs you of your innocence like, oh, did I do something bad? Did I do something wrong? And for me, I'll speak about my journey. I guess I thought that I attracted that in, that being loud, being cute, being pretty, being whatever it may be, made that happen to me. So from at that very early age, six years old, at an unconscious level, I made a decision. Also for that to never happen again, for me to not be abused again, I won't be me. So then this chameleon cat started to come about I would do whatever I had to do or be whoever I had to be to be liked to be approved of to be with the cool group to do really untoward things to people for the cool ringleader to like me and at some level even when I was in primary school and all those types of things when I was younger I felt that what I was doing was not right I felt it I could feel it but obviously being so young you're like well I don't know what to do with that. So I'm just going to keep doing whatever I've got to do to fit in. So over my years, I went through some really troubling times with eating disorders as a teenager, feeling quite misunderstood with my early childhood experience and not feeling held or supported probably to the level I needed to. I probably was to some degree, but to what I really needed. And when there, my thoughts took me as a result of that again, you know, I just kept coming further and further and further away from myself and choosing mm-hmm. boyfriends to feel loved and not even knowing if I liked that person. I just kind of was like, you like me, so I'll like you. Yep. Went along with the crowd and in my later teens took some pretty hefty drugs to try and run away from my pain, to try and run away from my past. And as a result, it just led to the not me, a persona, a piece a front that said, okay, this is how I survive in this world. This is what will get me through. This is what will get me by. And eventually that takes its toll. People start to suss shit out when you're not like this around this person, or you're not like that around that type of group. So everything I believe has cause and effect and an accumulative effect. And by the time I was starting to, you know, get 20, 21, 22, it's almost like, oh shit, all the things that I've done that have led up to this point of being not me, it's kind of like starting to come and throw itself back in my face. And there were many things I had to start looking at. Otherwise I was on a really difficult path ahead.
0: It's interesting though, that you said about recognizing that in your younger self, that you didn't feel genuinely you. And like having that recognition point, I guess, is a thread that If anyone is listening and sort of feel that way, I know so many of us do, especially as a woman in today's society, business, like, you know, young girls sort of coming through and social media pressures, I feel for them. I mean, we didn't even have that. And I felt like we had enough shit going on. So what happened next then? How did you get out of that? Because I think just recognizing those kind of key things, you know, it's a very different space to be in in your early 20s to now where you are. How did you get there? Because that's a big gap.
1: There were some big leaps for me. So the first leap was when I was in my partying stage, I think I was 19, mum and dad had gone away and I was at home. I'd had a pretty big bender the weekend before. Oprah was on during those days and there was a psychologist who actually was being interviewed talking about abuse and the psychologist said, people who have been sexually abused need to know that it's not their fault. I never heard that. I never heard that. And I internalize that me being me is what made that happen, right? So the way he just said it, the simplicity of of his words, oh my gosh, I felt like an entire layer of myself could just drop. And I bawled my eyes out. And when my family came back, I said to them, I need to address this. So did your family know? They did. They probably wanted to give me help. I got a little bit of help. And then I was kind of like, fuck you. I was an angry teen. I was a really angry teen. I didn't feel I could freely express myself in the home. And so I was pissed off about a lot of things growing up. So when I said, like, I need to properly deal with this, I remember we were out in this restaurant in Temple Stowe. and I just said to them, like, I'm not okay and I need help. And so I, I got support. I went to see a psychologist. I started reading Louise Hay's book, You Can Heal Your Life, very first book I ever like really read, you know, and I think I was 19, 20 at that age. So I kind of started to go on this quest of, especially from that book, of learning to like myself and forgive myself and be okay with my past. And I really resonated with Louise Hay because she'd been through a hell of a lot of crap. I was like, if she can do cool shit and had that horrible past, then maybe I can too, right? So that was the beginning of my quest, but I'd say the the big catalyst was a few years later, 23, I was working as a registered nurse. I had come out of the party scene, but I had chronic pain in my body and I didn't know why. It started when I was about 20. And for a good chunk of time when I was working in the hospitals, I was on pain medication because the shift work was so taxing for my body. The nerve pain just kept blowing up, but I was becoming pretty addicted to pain medication and I was not wanting to go out. I just kind of went work, home, boyfriend, work, home, boyfriend. And I was still not me, right? I was still at the very beginnings of of coming into myself. I had anxious attachments. So I always wanted to be with my boyfriend because I felt like if I'm with him, I'm safe. I never felt safe with myself or trusted myself. So long story short, I left the, the traditional hospital nursing because the pain was just so terrible. And I started to work for a plastic surgeon, nine to five, Monday to Friday, not wanting to really go in and see what that chronic pain problem was. But I was like, yeah, let's just change my job. But thank goodness I did because one day we were standing at the top of the set of stairs and I went to walk down to get the next patient and I couldn't walk. I've never experienced anything like that where I, I knew what I had to do, but I couldn't do it. And I looked at my boss and he looked back at me and he just said, what's wrong? I said, I can't walk. And he knew I had had this chronic pain. My eyes were flickering every now and then. Sometimes I would miss a step when I would walk upstairs, but again, I just didn't want to address it. So I went to get an MRI. Two days later, I was in a neurosurgeon's office and that's when I was told I needed to have brain surgery for a congenital brain condition. And it slowly turns into a paraplegic because there's so much compression in the brain and then in the spinal cord, and therefore the cerebrospinal fluid can't flow. So all these benign tumors were, forming in my spinal cord, severing my nerves, there's a chronic pain.
0: And you had no idea? Wow.
1: No, no idea. A lot of people don't until it's quite bad. So some people who have actually given birth because there's so much pressure in their brain, they actually fall into a coma. It can be pretty intense. So I had that operation and fixed everything structurally, but the chronic pain persisted. The medications were increased because at the time my surgeon was just like, I don't know what else to do. You're going to kind of have to manage this forever. I thought, are you fucking kidding? I'm 24. I can't live like this. Are you serious? I'm not going out. I'm being an absolute asshole to my family, to everyone. And like I was sharing with you before we press record, I got scared of my thoughts. I'd never known how to manage my thoughts until this time in my life properly really properly. And so by wonderful coincidences and synchronicities, I landed in a neurologist's office and he said to me, You've been dealt a shit card, no doubt about it. But I believe that you can be free of this chronic pain if you choose to. I was like, What do you mean if I choose to? Like, I definitely choose to. And he's like, No, you all you've been doing is like trying to not be in pain. So he shared with me the analogy of of the Olympic athlete who will train and do whatever they got to do to get that gold medal around their neck. He spoke to me about using the power of my thoughts and the power of my mind and visualization to basically envision myself the way that I would love to be and to act in favor of her. And I was like, mate, are you a bloody looney tune? What are you talking about? had no idea about any of this stuff.
0: It makes me so happy to hear that, cat. but yeah, very conformist, I'd imagine.
1: A hundred percent, but at the same time, the way he was sharing it and the way that he was saying it, that knowing in me, the same knowing when I was a little kid and I was like, what I'm doing is wrong, what I'm doing doesn't feel right. I was like, let's do this, let's give it a go. It spoke to the real me, not the fake me, the persona me that was like, oh, but I don't know what to do and what if it's gonna work and what's gonna happen here and what's gonna happen there, and I need my pain medication, and if it doesn't have a pain medication, then I'm gonna be this and I'm gonna be that. It spoke to the quieter me, the knowing. So off I went on this 10 month quest. He said, 12 months, and that's your invisible prescription. And I don't want you to miss a day of envisioning yourself as your ideal self and then acting in favor of her, repeat, acting in favor of her every day. And with 10 months of doing that, religiously battling terrible thoughts and still battling chronic pain, pain-free after 10 months, you know, when you, you know something conceptually, but then when you embody it and you're like, oh my gosh. I feel this now. This is alive in my body. After that, I thought, oh my gosh, if I can do this, what else can I do? If I can heal six years of chronic pain in 10 months, what else can I do? So for me, my real next quest was I want to fucking be wholeheartedly me. I want to own it. I want to don it. I want to land in it every fucking day and be like, hell yeah. And so that became my new gold medal. And many things then offset from that.
0: So where did it start though? The first was at the dancing, because you said like as a kid, you love to dance and you really missed that and the movement sort of side. Is that where it started to come out where you're expressing yourself through dance?
1: Yeah, I did a course. I left nursing to start my own thing and was also studying a grad dip of psychology. And I was doing a course at the time that one of the homework things was going to this free dance session. Like you'd go and there was no choreography and you just dance. I was like, piece of cake. Went there and I was like, not a piece of cake. I went there and I was judging everyone. I'm like, you're a hippie. You're a loser. You've got dreadlocks. I was just fully in judgment mode. I'm like, I don't belong here. So I was like, oh my gosh, why can't I just dance? Just dance, just dance, just dance. And I was probably there for 20 minutes, just in full judgment mode, giving too many fucks about how they looked and also Caring about how I might look.
0: And that, can I just hold that there? Hang on. Because to me, that is the essence, Kat. You know, it's the judgment element, as I've learned through a lot of the work I've done, is the people that are judgy. And and often, if you're judgment of someone else, I pull back and go, Oh, I'm being quite judgy of that person. What's that telling me about me? What's going on with me that actually makes me think that? Exactly to your point of saying, you were giving a shit about what people thought about you, whether they like the way you look, the way you dance, whatever. So that therefore, that's the way you were judging them. And it's a really interesting point, I think, that people don't quite realise, do they? That when someone's being judgmental, pull out a mirror and go, what's going on with you?
1: Exactly, exactly, exactly. And that's where the Zero Fucks movement comes from, right? So in that moment... I thought, well, I can either sit here and play this dumb tennis ball match in my head of judgment, or I can just get amongst it.
0: Yeah, because none of those people gave a shit. They were clearly having a good time. Totally.
1: And so 20 minutes in, there I am, that little girl, pre six years old, dancing free. No one's hitting on me. No one's touching me. I'm sober. I don't have to like look at anyone. It was like me dancing with my spirit, Michelle. And I was like, oh my God yon this is what I need. This is all I've needed just to dance in my spirit again, my essence. And so, from there, the whole lot of me started to unlock because conceptually, I'm like, yeah, dance frees you. But when you fucking embody it and you really let go and you go through that process of, I'm awkward, I'm awkward, I'm awkward. Actually, I'm fine, I'm awkward, I'm fine, I'm awkward, I'm fine, I'm fucking fine, I'm fucking fine.
0: You're like, oh my gosh. So then that led to lots of big things, huh? So then this became a bit of a movement. And so it was a bit by accident to start with. And then you do the Zero Fucks Tuesdays. Is that every Tuesday or once a month or whatever? So
1: every Tuesday online, people will just get up and they'll dance. Or what they might do is share a Zero Fucks moment. And so I just want to be clear that the Zero Fucks movement is not about sticking the bird up to the world and going, I don't care what you think about me. It doesn't come with that, you know, it's actually about Giving zero or less fucks to the thoughts that limit you. So, in that moment when I was dancing at that free dance thing, I needed to give zero fucks to the thoughts in my head that were going on and on and on and on about that person, that person, that person, or what if I, what if I, what if I, what if I. So, it's not about the fake bravado, false, cocky, confident stuff. It's deeper than that. So, Sometimes on Tuesdays, people will just simply share a moment where they gave zero fucks, where a thought was inhibiting them. So for example, some people will post up videos or, 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 or a post of them in their shorts in summer because for so long, they've never worn shorts because they think their legs are fat, which is something that I used to do too. I never used to wear shorts ever. That kills me. That's a
0: sad thing on the world.
1: I know. I know. So that's what happens on Tuesdays and then a few times a year, generally four to five times a year, I will run in person in real live events. So people can have that experience of dropping their false self and come and experience who they actually are and they're epic.
0: It's one thing to work through this and to do the work and, you know, it gets easier, I imagine, with that sort of stuff about not caring about what other people think. But how do you deal with the the scrutiny or the shitty opinions or the trolling? I mean, you've got a huge following. So imagine there'd be people that don't like some of the stuff you do. Again, it's usually coming from their place of the issues they've got. Like, how do you deal with that? So
1: first things first, I will always get panged. I will always feel the pang. If someone has written something that is unkind or whatever it may be, I'll feel it. It'll hurt 100% and I'll let it hurt. I'll let it hurt because I'm not she-warrior woman from some faraway galaxy that doesn't feel pain. I'm human. The little girl inside of me will feel that pain and I'm like, it's okay. It's okay to be upset by that or to feel hurt by that. It's really about what I then do next with it. So do I then respond from my pain and become a text warrior back and feel like I need to defend myself? That's not coming from my, my real self in my personal opinion. Do I go and self-loathe and, and spend days not posting anything else or thinking I should take down my business or whatever it may be and let it get to me? That's not what I want to do either. So first things first, I feel the pain. I feel the discomfort. I will look to see how I want to actually immediately get rid of that pain, which is either I'm going to go and wallow in it and then like fully bathe my fucking self in it and make an excuse as to why I can be an asshole to everyone. Or I will want to write back and be hurtful. I'm like, okay, they are often my two options. Let's not do either of those. And so then more often than not, my response is nothing no charge. And that's a hard thing to do because then thoughts come in like, oh, you're being weak. You're not standing up for yourself. You're not doing this. You're not doing that. But the more energy that I personally give it, um, the more I will get consumed by it. And I'll start thinking things that I won't be able to sleep well at night or whatever it may be, because I've done that before and it hasn't worked well. So I break down the process of what it feels like to receive that, slow it down, and then eventually choose the best response that I feel is appropriate but I let myself feel each stage.
0: Interesting. Yeah. I like that versus actually just denying it and then kind of shutting it out and just pretending it didn't exist. But then you constantly think about it, don't you? So I think your process is good. It's like, right, all consuming and then just let it go. And yeah, that's beautiful. Really good advice, actually. I want to talk to about your um, relationship with anxiety. You talk a lot about this in your feeds. And so have you had anxiety for, lot of time in your life like how how do you kind of navigate that and some advice I guess again for people you know the way that you manage it and overcome and deal with different elements here
1: it's interesting I have not felt this much anxiety in my life ever I mean look I think when I was younger I did experience anxiety but I probably I had coping mechanisms that were not healthy that pushed it away whereas now I've been in a relationship with anxiety for some time where I've tried to get rid of it. I've tried to make it go away. Same with my negative thoughts. I'm like, once you go away, I'll be happy. Once you go away, I can do the wonderful things in my life. And maybe this is just simply my experience where I'm, I'm needing to learn to live with the difficult things and not eradicate them.
0: I like that. It goes back to exactly how you just described the process you go through. It's that feeling it, sitting with it. And one, we try and fix it, right? To eradicate it. Like, yeah, that's really interesting. Correct.
1: So this morning I woke up with an enormity of anxiety right in the chest. And I can tell my head's sort of like dit, 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 thinking about certain things. And I can see in my environment, you know, I didn't sleep very well last night. Typically on full moons, which is one right now, I'd get knocked around a fair bit. We have had some family dynamics that have been challenging and my sensitivity readers are just on to that. So I woke up and I'm like, awesome. Here we go. Okay, it's there. Once again, just let it be there. I do have this really just very simple called the butterfly or my kinesiologist calls it the butterfly technique where it just calms down my vagus nerve, but I still do what I got to do. I go for my walk and I play with my dogs and I smell the roses on the walk whilst having anxiety. I went to my boxing class and for the whole 50 minutes, I didn't experience it because I was in my body and I was with music and I was in rhythm with the boxing and now it's eased. I woke up with a seven out of 10. Now it's probably a three and that's cool. So I can definitely hear my thoughts that are like, oh, we need to fix this. We need to find the core root of this. And like I said, I just know myself well enough that I've done that type of style before and it's led me nowhere. It takes me actually further away from getting on with the things that matter as opposed to finding what's wrong with me. Maybe nothing's wrong with me. Maybe nothing's wrong with me. Maybe I am just sensitive to the world sensitive yeah, to the impact. When we do. Correct. I don't know. So I tend to these days, I know when it's time to leave things alone and I know when it's time to investigate. And with this, I live with it. And and I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. But sometimes it's more intense than others. And I've just got to be a little more gentle to myself.
0: Yeah. I love that cat. It's beautiful. So the last question I wanna cover, come back full circle about the impact of not being yourself and I loved how you really framed that at the start. I mean, you're doing work with so many people in this space now. Do you see a pattern where someone listening going, I want to be like Kat, I want to have a world like that, that's, you know, more authentic and living my best life? And are there key elements that you'd say, okay, just change this one thing, whether that is to your point about movement, whether that's fashion. If you go, well, I want to dress, you know, less corporate or dye my hair pink. If there's one thing that you see that's a common thread that helps people,
1: what would that be? Great question. What I would see is they learn to get quiet. It's so stupidly simple, Michelle, like it's so annoyingly simple, but they learn to get quiet. And as a result of that, they learn to ask better questions. And those questions are revolved around, what do I value? What do I stand for? What matters to me? What's important to me? If I was more of my true self, what would I stop doing? What would I start doing? What would I keep doing? So, by couple getting quiet with asking really good questions together, they're on their way and they start to listen to themselves, not their false self, their
0: real self. What beautiful advice! That's just wonderful. Kat, John, you are a divine human and you inspire so many people every day. So thank you for all the work you do. And please, please, please just keep letting those spirits of you come free because they're beautiful.
1: Thank you so much, Michelle.
0: Well, there you have it. Wasn't that an incredible conversation? I hope you enjoyed it as much as I've enjoyed bringing it to you. If you did like it, can I ask a small favour?